Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome into the Tiger Woods podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. What is up, Cam Rogers? Coming at you. Alongside Bridget Whalen, we are your Tiger Woods experts, as we always are every single week. We are here for you as the FedEx Cup playoffs ramp up the BMW Championship this week the tour championship next week we shall see if tiger qualifies for east lake more details on that in a little bit hit us up on social media i am on twitter at mr rogers 99 and on instagram at mr rogers 98 follow bridget on twitter and instagram at bridget k whalen Here's the rundown of the episode today. We're going to talk about the Northern Trust. Oh my God, Dustin Johnson, 11-shot victory. Wow, what does that mean for him as we advance in this PGA Tour playoff? Tiger Woods, good final round there on Sunday. What does it mean for his chances at the BMW Championship? Some news about some schedule changes as we enter the fall season as we restart the PGA Tour year, if you will. We're talking about the Asia swing in particular, some new details about those tournaments coming up in a little bit. Could the PGA Tour champions Phil Mickelson version win like 20 million times this year? I don't know because the guy's playing pretty darn well with the old guys on tour as we stand and he's actually in the lead in this week's PGA Tour Champions event. So Bridget and I will talk about that. And then finally, the BMW Championship. What does Tiger need to do to advance? And then our expert picks, who will hoist the trophy on Sunday afternoon? Cam Rogers, as I mentioned, alongside Bridget Whalen. Bridget, welcome to the Tiger Woods podcast here on this August 25th. We are in the midst of the playoffs and boy, the uh, energy is ramping up. Yeah, that's for sure. I just want to give a little shout out to Scotty Scheffler. He shot 59. and I Mm. think it got a little overshadowed by all this DJ domination. I mean, I know that a lot of players say, you know, that's not something that's really on the bucket list to like cross off shooting 59, but it's pretty cool. And, you know, doing it at this course, I think was interesting. It, It was It was like some guys had it, you know, all sorted out. And then some guys just had no clue what they were doing. And Justin Thomas said it perfectly. Like, what course did DJ play? Like, you know, so confusing. I I also think, you know, guys like Kevin Kisner saying, when DJ's on, I just step aside. Like, it just shows you when he is dominating. Like, really, it's kind of Tiger-esque. I hate the comparison, but it truly is. He was leading going into Sunday, and honestly, there was no way I saw him losing. He was just, like, lights out. Like, following up, shooting 60 is and, and playing that well is insane. He Honestly, seeing him do that this past weekend was kind of surprising, just where the state of DJ's game has been since, you know, the layoff. 
A busy weekend for Justin Ray over there at Golf Channel, the statistician, because he's boy, not at Golf Channel anymore. Oh, is he not? Where is he? He's at 15th Club. Shout oh, out to okay. 15th Club. Well, yeah, he does fantastic work with his number crunching. And obviously, Dustin Johnson getting his 22nd career PGA Tour victory this past weekend. His third, by the way, at the Northern Trust. Hit all 18 greens in regulation in the final round. The only other time he did that was the Century Tournament of Champions back in 2017. 18.14 strokes gained T2 green that week, the most by a winner on the PGA Tour in 13 years. Shout out to Justin Gray for that statistic. So yeah, I mean, he was absolutely unbelievable. And oh, by the way, we are, you know, weeks removed from this guy firing a couple of 80s. And I'm just going to point this out, Bridget, that I think what Dustin Johnson does best on the PGA Tour has nothing to do with his irons, his putter, his driver, his wedges. It's in between the ears and his ability to forget the bad rounds, but also the really, really good rounds that could have been better and bouncing back and continuing the momentum. For example, shooting that 60, you know, people were clamoring for 57 and he was probably thinking it too, but <laughs> You know, it was a 60, and he was probably minorly disappointed, but that didn't matter. He went on to destroy the field. So he has this ability to forget and move on, good or bad. Yeah, I mean, on Friday when he was 11 under through 11. That's wild. <laughs> that was, yeah, I, he made seven straight pars for that 60. So, you know, the closing stretch wasn't as uh, fiery as those, those first 11. Um, but, yeah, he – you know, he talked to Todd Lewis after following that round and, and he said, no, I'm not. The shooting, shooting around, shooting 60 is a remarkable achievement. And, you know, when you shoot a number that low, you're happy about the day and you're, you're happy to pack it up and go home and sign a 60. Like, that's amazing. Um, I, I agree with you. I think he's a guy who cares more about trophies than records. Uh, and so like that 60 for him, he finished that round and that's all that mattered. And, you know, he didn't like blow up and shoot 64 or something, which is very plausible. You have one bad hole. My guy, Jason day, the prior yeah. week, we, we saw that happen. So it's like, or was that this week? I don't even have my week straight. Do I have Jason day this week? Yeah, you did last week. Yeah, look, I've like erased it from my whole memory. You did so, a good yeah, job of that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That was amazing. What, he blew up on like the 15th hole and that was it. And he was out of it. So I think that Dustin, I agree with you. He really does excel in the sense of he doesn't harbor, you know, bad results or, or bad finishes or like, disappointing rounds like yeah I guess a lot of people probably would have wished they could have became the first player to shoot 57 I don't think that's on Dustin Johnson's radar actually I don't think that's on a lot of players radar I take that back and I saw that comment from Justin Thomas saying that you know equipment is so advanced and this that, and the other thing that someone's bound to shoot a 57 soon like yeah that's I'm not sure that has to do you know, I don't know what that has to do with. I'm really not someone to say, but we always end that, up talking about the equipment when the I know, 59. I know. I just threw in equipment. I think I put those words in Justin's mouth. I don't know if he referenced equipment. So if he did not, I apologize. But come on. 
obviously that is definitely a huge factor. And if you, if you don't acknowledge that, then I don't know what game, what sport you're watching. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that Dustin definitely has the ability to, you know, move forward. And I think, I don't know if that comes from having so many moments where he's had to do that, or if he's just not really a cerebral guy, like Phil Mickelson is probably one of the smartest guys on tour and is also probably, you know, could have been the best player of his time had Tiger not existed. So he's a super cerebral fella and he's done really well. Dustin Johnson, not so much. 22 wins. That's insane. So honestly, I don't really know what the equation is for success, but DJ's found what works for him. And that's for sure. You know, I think the moments like the 59s and the 58 and the world number one ranking are more for the media to talk about, for us to talk about, because it's fun. But I don't think players really care. Like, even the number one ranking is just like, yeah, nobody really, like, celebrates that. They celebrate the trophies. They celebrate the majors. That's what these guys care about. They celebrate the Ryder Cup victories. Nothing to do with really, like, you know, records so much. Because what does that really mean in the end? I mean, yeah, we still talk about David Duvall and his 59 and whatever, but it's like, you know, how much weight does that that carry? that was so different, you know? It was a a final round, and the way that he shot 59 was just so electrifying. But, yeah, I totally agree with you. And you bring up the world number one, which is so funny. On the topic of Justin Ray, he tweeted out earlier today that players to reach world number one – from 1996 to 2010, six players. This year already, there's been five. That's the amazing. baton has been passed. Wow. So, yeah, you, right? Like, it's it's different now. And, and yeah, like, what? Okay, you were world number one. Like, you're never going to get to how many weeks Tiger was world number one. What was it? It's like 683 or something. It's something crazy. So, those things I really don't think matter. I think the trophies, the wins, the majors, for sure. I think that DJ would like to win the FedEx Cup. So I think that him firing on all cylinders right now is is really, really good for, for you know, success in doing so. I think that that's definitely something on his radar. And I think that up until – I don't know. I want to say the the 30 under, I really didn't see that happening, even though we did win Travelers since the, the startup again. It's just like, I don't know, his game has sort of been all over the map, but he clearly has found something. He stated that he's found something. I think it's something with, uh, with, drive, with his driver. So I don't know. Let's, let's see where we go next. I mean, how do you top 30 under and an 11 shot victory? That's insane. You better believe he will be on the first page of that leaderboard at uh, winged foot at the U.S. Open in a couple of weeks because, man, I think that sets up well for him. And, of course, he's a U.S. Open winner himself back in 2016 at Oakmont. So he has that to kind of go off of. So Dustin Johnson playing pretty darn well as we stand. How about Tiger Woods? He finished pretty solidly, firing a 5-under-66 best round of the year for Woods. Finished the event T58, worse than what we predicted, Bridget. He's now 57th in the FedEx Cup point standings. And here's what Tiger Woods needs to advance to the Tour Championship. A sixth place finish or better at the BMW. So 
In terms of Tiger's week, actually that Sunday round, he gained 2.56 shots on the field, strokes gained off the tee, which is pretty darn good if you look at Tiger's history with the driver. His irons were still solid, and then he had that good putting day on the final round as well. So you have to wonder, okay, what do we lean on in terms of predicting Tiger's finish this week? Is it that final round where he went 66 or the first three rounds where he seemed kind of stuck in neutral? So I guess he's becoming a curious case right now, a curious study, because he's giving us a little bit of everything as we stand. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess that 66 in the final round really is all he's going to have to build, you know, momentum off of. Honestly, he ended it on a high note, but... <sighs> I don't know. I, I think that he's a little all over the lot. He's having to save par way more often than he should. If we're going to talk about wing foot and compare the rough that was in Boston or Norton, Boston, whatever you want to say, I'm from that area. So I know it's not really Boston, but it is TPC Boston. So we'll go with that. That rough compared to the layers of U.S. Open rough, if he's not hitting it in the fairway, like the one thing DJ was doing was hitting fairways. And so, yeah, that's going to bode well in a U.S. Open. Tiger, you know, he only works towards the majors. So I don't know. If, if, we're, if we're working towards wing foot, we got to get, get your driver online, buddy, or we got to figure out how you're going to hit more fairways, how you're just going to sort of have everything a little more tidy. He really just has to kind of he has to tidy it up you know I yep. I think I mean it's not like he didn't hit a ton of fairways I'm not saying like he's obviously he made the cut like we're we're going along well here it's just I don't know I don't I don't see him being in contention really anytime soon and that final round was really the only like light that I saw that whole week um and that and that's kind of rough for it to come you know at the closing stretch. Yeah, it's a little rough that we are talking about one singular round as potentially something good for him coming up this week, considering, right. you know, he's played a couple of times now in this PJ Tour restart. And let's face it, the guy has been pretty uninspiring in terms of his play. And I don't think there's one particular thing that really is awful as we stand. I mean, the putter has been hot and cold, mostly right. cold. The irons are still consistently good. His short game is still fine, but here's the deal. I mean, if you're hacking it out of the rough, it's as simple as this. You're going to get less spin with the ball. It's going to be a lot harder to hit the green close in proximity to the hole. So he may be hitting a lot of greens, Bridget, but if he's staring down 50-foot, 45-foot pots all the time, he's not going to make a lot of birdies. So, I mean, a T-58 finish when it's all said and done kind of makes sense if he's just doing that every single week. So yeah, I think he needs to work on some things. And honestly, this could just kind of be an exhibition to him. <laughs> honestly, this right. BMW championship, all so, eyes are on Wingfoot. Yeah. I mean, he said it, he said, I didn't like the rough. It was like one of the weeks that I kept laying the club down. And so, I mean, if you're saying that about TPC Boston, like, <laughs> I, I don't know, that freaked me out. The U S open is known for its rough. My brother and I were talking about it the other day just how literally the setup of U.S. Open courses are indicative of that graduated rough, meaning like 
sort of the farther out you go, the more penalized you are, like it gets worse and worse, which I mean, that makes sense. That's the point of a, a tough setup. But I just, even like Rory, it, you know, if you're not going to be hitting it in the fairway, you're going to have a lot of trouble moving forward. And I don't really know what's going on with Rory. Mm. I think he's really in his head. And we talked about this last week, whether your inner happiness or inner just calmness sort of is indicative of how you play or vice versa. And he sort of said something in one of his post round interviews. I'm not sure if it was on Sunday or if it was earlier in the week that he kind of is that way. Like he doesn't know what he's looking for, which, you know, whether it's in his personal life or like at home or whatever that may be off the course, or if it's something on course, it was actually quite interesting to hear him sort of admit that, he needs to be in like a good space mentally for like things to align, which I've never really questioned. I just don't know how important that is for all players across the board. Because, you know, there's been a lot of tumultuous things in, in a lot of players' personal lives or, you know, off, off the course lives, whatever you want to call that. So that was interesting to hear Rory say that, that he is struggling with that and, and whether that's affecting his game or vice versa, I don't know. But he definitely was not enjoyable to watch last week. And it was so unfortunate because he and Tiger were paired all weekend. Not like could have been awesome, you know, Tiger and Rory. And I don't know, they were eh, lackluster. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, not, not the uh, signature characteristic Tiger Rory. McElroy finishing 65th last week, bleeded four strokes to the field with his putter. So, I mean, that's something that he's definitely going to have to fix if he wants to contend, not even U.S. Open, but at any PGA Tour event. And, I mean, if you're telling me that, you know, Rory could finish ahead of JT or Rom or DJ or Bryson or Reed or X-Man, I'm going to say you're crazy because I'll take all of those guys over McElroy right now. I mean, I'll go even toward the bottom of the board, right? And look at Matthew Wolf and Scotty Scheffler and some of those guys who probably have a better chance to finish higher than Rory McElroy. And uh, so, I mean, we'll see what happens. He's been an interesting case as well, as has Brooks Kepka, Matt Kuchar, another random name that just, you know, typically is consistent and has not really been there since the restart. Aside from a second-place finish, Paul Casey has been bizarrely bad. He's hitting it great, but yet he's not scoring. So, you know, Tiger Woods is kind of in that bucket right now with all of these guys who I just mentioned who are just like – not really there. And I think you could also say the same thing about Patrick Cantley too. So, I mean, you're really learning a lot here about the volatility of the game in this COVID era, if that makes any sense. Because of this restart, a lot of guys lost momentum. Sunjay M was the best player in the world, it seemed like, you <laughs> right. know, leading in to the pandemic. And, you know, he has one top 10 to show for it since the restart. And Tiger did allude to this, which we all were so heavily focused on at the beginning of the restart, the no fans. Yeah. And Tiger did say that it is an advantage for those younger guys who are fresh out of college, who haven't really played around large galleries, who haven't had to siphon out that noise, that like movement, you know, people moving are constantly moving in the galleries when you're at a tournament and to have to 
sort of add that stillness to your play is definitely a skill that comes with, you know, the territory of playing on tour for a long time. And I think that players like and Rory are really used to that environment. And I think that they thrive, <clears throat> excuse me, in that environment. So I think that him mentioning that the younger guys sort of have not like a leg up in a sense, but they may be a little more familiar with the environment that is now the norm. And I, I kind of agree with him on that. I, I always was thinking that it was going to be weird for the players, just the quietness, mm-hmm. the stillness. It's just not what they're used to. And it's almost as if you go into professional golf and playing at that elite level and having to deal with the galleries and the fans that's just something you have to deal with and you learn to deal with it and you become accustomed to it just like anything else. That's like a skill that translates into capitalizing on wins or in that environment. So for someone to try to have success now that the environment is so different, some seem to be struggling more than others. Then you have someone like Justin Thomas who is never alone on the course. He always has people following him. And he's done really well since the restart. So I just think, obviously, every player is different. And I think it's affecting some players more than it is others. Yeah, certainly something to monitor as we go forward here on the PGA Tour season. At some point, we will get fans back. We shall see when that will actually occur. All right, so more Tiger Woods podcast. But first... A word from our friends at betonline.ag. The NBA, MLB, and NHL are in full swing, and our partners at Bet Online certainly have you covered. Obviously, my bet of Patrick Reed last week clearly went swimmingly. Spoiler alert, he wasn't great, but hey, I'm on the bounce back. And if you didn't have a great bet last week, you can be too. Take full advantage of sports being back and get in on the action with hundreds of odds, futures, and prop bets for you to bet on. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, so some news about the PGA Tour schedule. It seems like the Asian swing is no more. The PGA Tour announced on Monday that the CJ Cup, scheduled for October 15th through the 18th in South Korea, will move to Shadow Creek Golf Course in Las Vegas. The WGC HSBC champions played in China, won last year by Rory McIlroy, is expected to be canceled. That's according to ESPN. And then the Zozo Championship won by Mr. Tiger Woods back in October, which follows the CJ Cup, is expected to move to the U.S., with Sherwood Country Club in Thousand Oaks, California, the proposed venue. That also, according to ESPN, Bridget, we've talked about the travel restrictions and just the logistical nightmare involved with going abroad and coming from abroad to the U.S. This is probably no surprise to you. No, uh, it's weird. But no, no surprise. They're going to have a little Vegas swing there. (laughs) It seems like it. Yeah, I mean... 
it's it is what it is it's no surprise and you brought up fans I don't know when fans will be back I think it's just all up in the air they could get these tournaments accomplished I think it's a win the Zozo having been won by Sir Tiger Woods in its initial year and now not being in that location I just think is it's just funny like it's you know it's it's so part of Tiger Woods career that that would be the case right like maybe it'll be the only year that it was over there like who knows and he was the only player to win it (laughs) add that to his resume an odd one but you can add it to it (laughs) right yeah I this is not a surprise to me um yeah not at all you know it's interesting there's some news coming out about some NFL teams expecting to have fans, Bridget, at these games. And I don't know if you can play apples and oranges or oranges and oranges or apples and apples, but I mean, you know, if the NFL can do it, could the PGA Tour do it? And I guess the only argument against the PGA Tour doing it is because the fans are moving and maybe they're closer. Whereas at an NFL game, you're seated, you're planted, you have your mask on, you're six feet apart. And you just watch the game. Yeah, I think that that would be the difference there. Whereas if you're going to a stadium type environment, they could almost set it up as they have planes now where there's like no middle seat. There's only Mm. a window and an aisle seat. So I think that the PGA Tour, in the sense when they were trying to pitch that we could have like trackers on their tickets or we could monitor like where – large crowds are gathering. I think that that is just way superfluous. I don't know if, if that needs to happen. I think we could wait for a vaccine to come out or, or some other sort of, you know, precautionary standard before you go to that. But I think the PGA Tour in that sense is going to lag behind uh, other sports. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fans are more mobile on the PGA Tour. All right, let's talk about the BMW Championship at Olympia Fields Country Club outside of Chicago, hosting its first PGA Tour event since the 2003 U.S. Open won by Jim Furyk. This has been a site for uh, quite a few amateur events as well. Bryson DeChambeau knows this course pretty darn well. It's a long one, par 70, just two par fives this week, one of which is over 600 yards. So I would not expect as many Eagles this week as last week, but who knows because Dustin Johnson's in the field and he's, you know, scorching hot. A couple of interesting trends here about this event. The past eight winners of the BMW have all had at least one top 12 finish in their last four starts on the PGA Tour. None of the past 10 winners of the BMW Championship had missed the cut in their previous start on the PGA Tour. So, Bridget, that eliminates, quote-unquote, Bryson, Finau, Morikawa, and your guy, Jason Day. (laughs) Well, not going any of those guys, so I think we're good. You're safe for now. I'm I'm safe from that weird pattern. (laughs) No cut event, by the way. So the rest of the way, we're going no cut. BMW and the Tour Championship next week. And I guess there is the argument that that sort of format favors the birdie makers, a la a Justin Thomas, a Xander Shoffley, a John Rahm. But I think this course is going to play pretty tough, Bridget. I mean, it's been a while since it's hosted a PGA Tour event, but I mean, I think the 2003 U.S. Open was pretty difficult. I mean, this won't be a U.S. Open, but you know, something to monitor. 
Yeah, I'm interested to see it. I mean, Tiger said himself he hasn't been here since 2003. So Bryson DeChambeau, I guess, really has a leg up on people, huh? Like, I, I don't know. I think that this is sort of, it's one of those courses where when an event hasn't been played there in a long time, <clears throat> it sort of like evens the playing field a little mm -hmm. bit. Like every guy is now going to have to go on Monday and Tuesday and sort of scope it out and really adjust and see what this course sort of has to offer, which, I mean, that's normal. But, you know, if you're coming back to the same course year after year, you sort of get accustomed to it. Courses for courses. That's obviously a thing. So I'm excited to see this course. We um, were doing a little bracket challenge over at the USGA. And yesterday I saw Tiger's like, I called it a magical slice here at Olympia Fields. And I mean, the course looks tough. So I'm excited to see it on TV. I, I didn't watch the 2000, 2003 US Open. So this will sort of be my first. Absolutely. Let's talk about Eldrick's chances here, Bridget, because <laughs> he's got to get a top six. I mean, it's simple as that to advance to the tour championship. Will he be all broken up if he doesn't get inside the top six? Probably not. But I'm sure it'd be nice for him to be in contention for the final leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs. So I, with that, I guess I ask you, do you envision him finishing inside the top six? No. And I actually think it'll be better yeah. um, if, if he doesn't make it to Eastlake. I think that he wants to. I think he's going to try to. But I think, I think that taking a little time – will bode well for him. I just do. So I think it would be sort of a blessing if he didn't, you know, finish top six or better. I it mean, be if he won, different story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be fun if he's there somewhere on Sunday, right? Not teeing off at 8 a.m. on Sunday morning. Yeah, I don't want to see that again. Yeah, please no. I'll, I'll pass on that. <laughs> yeah, that, Like, I didn't see it because of that. Right. Right. Not to purchase PGA Tour last. I I didn't. Yeah, I didn't watch him all weekend. I just saw the highlights. Highlights only. Absolutely. All right. He saw a little, but like not enough. Right. They show you later in the broadcast. Right. Uh. So here's the deal with the tally, folks. So <laughs> I went with Reed last you week. You had to get to this so quickly. I mean, I just have to brag a little bit. You're like, okay, can we move this train along? Um, I'm winning by a lot here. Okay. I want to talk about how I'm winning by over a million dollars against what Bridget Whalen in our competition. You had Jason Day. He missed the cut. I had Reed. I mean, he made the cut, but didn't do much. But here's the thing. I mean, $1 million for a lead is not that big, Bridget. Like, if my pick... I guess he won't miss the cut, but finishes last and yours wins. Like I'm pretty sure we're going to be tied or close to it. Yeah. I guess the money is more for these tournaments. Right. So you never know. It's anybody's game as they say. So with that, uh, who are you thinking this week? Uh, okay. So I don't usually pick a defending champ, but it's a different course. So is he really the defending champ? He's, He's just the current title holder. With air quotes, yeah. Yeah, air quotes. I'm going with Justin Thomas. I mean, he's had like a steady and just stellar season. I don't know. I really like how he looked last week. I, I really don't have much to say about him. I just, I think he's 
played fantastically. So I read somewhere that he's like close to 40 under par over the past five events, and he's only finished out of the top 25 three times this season. I don't know where I read that, but I was like, wow, okay. I mean, he had a bizarre shot 30 under bars. So. Yeah, and then there's DJ. Right, exactly. Oh, darn it. <laughs> hashtag yeah. perspective. Yeah, hashtag perspective. He's just playing so well. And I don't know, maybe it's like a Chicago thing, Chicago area. Sh- Chicago. In? <laughs> In Chicago. Maybe he's good. I- I'm trying to go with something here. I don't know. I really, he, I haven't picked him. I want to pick him. So. Justin Thomas, you're my pick this week. So he won the WGC a few weeks ago, which was a no-cut event, and he historically has done well at FedEx Cup playoff events and WGCs, obviously. So I think, you know, going off the long-term form and the data that you have, it makes sense. So I like that. I like Xander Shoffley a lot. Again, Bridget, I mean, the guy hasn't finished outside the top 25 in a while. So... I'm not picking him, but man. He's under the radar, and I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. He's a quiet guy, you know, just kind of moseys along. But not going with the X-Man. This week, I am going with John Rahm, another winner during this PGA Tour restart. And I think he has been just so steady, but... You don't see it necessarily with the finishes. Like, yeah, there's a 27th and a 52nd thrown in there, but still the stats are good. He just wasn't scoring in those particular weeks. But his game is overall balanced. He's one of these guys who you really can't point to in terms of having really a weakness. And I think obviously being a bomber is huge at this course because it is going to play pretty darn long. And he's going to have some shorter irons into the greens. He might have a chance to get on that 600-yard par 5 in two. I don't know. So I like John a lot. And I think he's a guy to monitor, too, for winged foot, to be honest with you. I agree. I like him for winged foot a lot. And for that reason, he hits it far and straight. Um, He definitely was on my list this week. I saw him that you were picking him. So he was out. But I like him. I like him for this week. What do we make of Bryson DeChambeau? Miscut last week, a fourth three weeks ago, 30th the week before, a miss, a miscut before that. I mean, he's been, you know, not as red hot as he was. Yeah, I don't know. It, it really is baffling. I mean, he's baffling. Like, he's all-encompassingly baffling. But, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. I don't know what is wrong when something is wrong with him. And I'm not sure that he could even put it into layman's terms, what is going on. I think he's just so tactical and scientific and everything is just like number crunching and he should have been an accountant or maybe he was in another life. I definitely don't think he would have made it as a physicist. I just don't. Financial advisor, perhaps. Yeah. Oh my. There you go. Oh my gosh, he, he would be the best financial. He looks like a financial advisor. Sorry to all you financial advisors to put you in a box. But yeah, I don't. I don't know what's going on with him. I only like him this week because he's won on this course, mm-hmm. and that's kind of why he was on my radar today. But he played awfully last week, and I think he's the type of player that he does well with momentum. I think that if he's on 
and he does well one week, next week he has better chance of doing as well. Whereas a player like DJ could miscut win, miscut, it doesn't really matter. I don't think Bryson's really that way. Dustin Johnson, here it is. Win, miscut, WD, 12th, second, first. <laughs> what? That's insane. Oh, Dustin, you're something. That's insane. That, see, like, that's wild. I, that's, that's crazy because that shows you that week to week is really anyone's game. Like, it, it totally makes it real that you could be on or you can't or you could have the mental fortitude or maybe you don't or you could hit a lot of greens one week, hit a lot of fairways, the next week you don't. Like, that's crazy. I, I did not know that that was his most recent track record. That's wild. By the way, a footnote on one of the premier golfers right now, Webb Simpson, who has been red hot but has played a lot so far in this restart, is not playing this week at the BMW Championship. So he's making a strategic decision, Bridget, to play at the Tour Championship next, next week on full rest, I guess, right? Yeah, rest up. I think that he definitely isn't accustomed to playing this much, you know, consecutively. So – he knows his body best. He is red hot. If I was him, I probably would want to capitalize it on it. But again, I'm not a veteran tour player and I don't really know how that sort of system goes along. And I think that he knows himself the best. It's just, it's a little disappointing. He's playing so well. I was excited to see him this week. I, I love Webb. I like when Webb's on. I think he also flies under the radar, which is crazy because he's been around for so long and he's done so much. He's a major winner. So I'm a little, you know, a little bummed Webb won't be out there, but we'll see him at the tour champ. He was he third in the standings right now? Yeah, somewhere up there. So, I mean, it's not like he's going to lose a lot of ground. So, no. yeah, he's, he's good. And actually, that's actually a really good advantage so maybe he's playing it way smarter than a lot of other guys who are, who have sort of been playing just full blast they might get burnt, burned out you know he's he kind of maybe using that placement to his advantage and I don't know how many times Webb has been that high up in the rankings I I haven't looked back into him in the FedEx Cup but or he, did he win the FedEx Cup I'm like am I all over the place? no not win. the full-on FedEx Cup, no. So, I mean, maybe this is, like, kind of one of the only times that he's had that sort of luxury of doing it. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Well, he was one of the few players to play at the Wyndham Championship a couple of weeks ago, so everybody else kind of got their rest then. So he's getting That's his true. now, playing four straight PJ Tour events. Not this week. We shall see where he finishes. And, Bridget, any final predictions about Tiger's finishing position at all I say that he doesn't get within that top six I really don't see it happening I don't see him doing as poorly as last week what did we go with last week what did we agree on with him I think I said like t13 okay and you were like t17 so, or something okay so I'm kind of like the same like t23 to like t15 yeah, I'm going to have to go worse. I hate to be all dejecting to wrap up this show, but I like T35 probably makes sense. Something like that. Yeah, so no Eastlake for no our guy. But that's okay. We have the U.S. Open and, of course, the Masters coming up and plenty of more fun 
right here on the Tiger Woods Podcast presented by betonline.ag. So keep it right here every single week. Be sure to subscribe. Tell your friends. Check out Believe.com. If you're an NFL fan, we have some big-time athletes coming onto the network, and we'll be pushing that out on social media at Believe Podcasts as well. So check us out there. For Bridget Whalen, my name is Cam Rogers. We will talk to you guys next week. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.